Um, we're going to do something a little different today. You guys want to help me today? Um, Mr. Michael is going to draw what we see um, from Revelation chapter 4. We're going to look at Revelation chapter 4 today. And if you guys, uh, Sage, I know especially, if you guys can color in what he sees, what he draws, because we're going to move kind of fast as we walk through Revelation. Now, this is our first message in our series, Walking Through Revelation. We're going to take a break here and there. Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know, nobody wants to talk about the mark of the beast when we need to be celebrating baby Jesus, right? So we're going to, we're going to take breaks here and there, but we're going to walk through the entire book of Revelation uh, over the next several weeks. Um, and we've already done chapters 1 through 3, but that was a while ago. But let me just recap it real quick. All of a sudden, uh, John uh, is, is talking to God. Now, he's on this island called Patmos, and uh, Patmos is nothing. It's barren. Guys got to be eating snakes and scorpions. It's, it's no fun, right? Uh, and he's been exiled there, and he's the only disciple who uh, has not been killed uh, or uh, martyred. And God starts speaking to him, and he tells him to write down letters to seven churches. Okay, and we went through all that a, uh, a while back. You can uh, check it out on our podcast uh, if you need to, uh, a refresher. Um, and so we're going to pick up in chapter 4. Um, and, and what we have is this amazing um, vision that John is given. Okay? Um, now, before we jump in, I need you to understand something. Because, and I kind of hinted at it earlier. We're going to take this book literally, okay? And the reason we are is because there's some things we don't know that what is symbolism, what is not symbolism. There's some things we do know that it's symbolism. And obviously when that is pointed out, and we'll see some things that we look at today, it's symbolism or metaphor or, or whatever it may be, um, it'll be obvious. But then there's some things like the mark of the beast, right, and all these things, and and we can read into the text. I mean, we can make all kinds of stuff up. I am super creative, right? But if we do that, we're making the same mistake that people in the past did. When Jesus came and walked on this earth, um, people were looking for a Messiah. They'd been reading the Old Testament, and they were like, and the Old Testament's clear, the Messiah will come, Right? Christ will come, but it says he's going to come to save us from our sins. But for some reason, at some point, we started putting in, well, he's going to be a military guy, and he's going to overthrow Rome, or he's going to be a politician, and he's going to change Israel back to the way that it should be when it's following God. And then Jesus shows up, and it's like, wah, 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 I'm not who you thought I was, and everybody's bummed out. And they get mad at him. I mean, they get mad at him because he's not who they thought he would be. And they killed him. Now, luckily for us, we know the story and Jesus overcomes death. He overcomes the grave. Right? So we want to make sure we don't make the same mistake. All right, so if you guys want to start coming on up, we've got a bunch of just, you can move those chairs out of the way. Y'all can start. Uh, drawing and coloring, come on, bit, come on up here. Um, 
what we have here is Revelation 4. Now, Michael is a good drawer. Uh, is, that, is, that, is that the phrase? Drawer? Artist? We're going to go with artist. He's a good drawer. I'm, a, I'm from the country. Um, no, literally, I am from the country. That's, I, I can do that. Um, so, so we want to make sure that we're reading the text and not reading into the text. Okay? So let's go ahead and, uh, and jump in. Let me give you the main point right off the bat. Okay? Here's the main point. God reigns supreme, and the only adequate response is to worship him. I'm going to repeat that over and over again. Because I want us to really take this home today. God reigns supreme and the only adequate response is to worship him. You see that, you see that sheet right there? That's what he's drawn. So you can just start uh, coloring in whatever. You can give her some direction, Michael. Um, so <laughs> let's look at uh, Revelation chapter 4. Let's look at verses 1 through 3. Now, there's going to be some freaky stuff in here, okay? And if you're, you're not a Christian, uh, you're not a follower of Christ, or maybe you're not um, uh, into Scripture a lot, this is weird for us as Christians too, okay? And there's a lot of stuff we don't understand. Verse 1 says, after this, meaning after he was, he was told to write all these letters, after this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, Okay? Now, we don't know if he's going to walk through this door, if he's just standing in the door. But it says, and, a voice I, uh, and, and the voice I had first heard speaking to me back in chapter 1, like a trumpet, right? I don't know how a trumpet sounds like a voice, but, I mean, it, it's got to be pretty powerful. I mean, if you're ever, we were at the, uh, what was it, Brother Martin uh, open house the other day, and the cheerleaders are all out. And the band is right there, and there's this one cheerleader who's literally like this far away from, it seems like, I don't know, five, six trumpets and trombones. And they are just blasting in her ear. And I'm like, and she's just like, ah, oh, this is great, woo, you know, and you're like, no, girl, you can't hear. I don't, you need to get away, you know. So I imagine that's what's going on here. Um, anyway, I get distracted. Uh, and so he says, he says, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this? And at once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. All right, so, so he sees this throne, and this throne is going to be pretty, pretty important here in just a second. Okay, And uh, the one sitting on it is God. Now, in true Jewish fashion, he, he does not describe God because that's kind of like, whoa, you know, they, they didn't do that. Um, and then it says, and the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. Uh, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Okay, so his appearance is jasper and carnelian or, or ruby. So it, it, the picture of those rocks there, this is, this is jasper, and that's jasper, and that's carnelian. Okay, so... Uh, now, Jasper, I know, kind of comes in different colors, but, but uh, red, I thought it was green, uh, but red is, is kind of the, the base color for Jasper. You find it mixed in. And so you have God on his throne in red. I, and and I, I wish I could say, oh, that symbolizes the blood of Jesus and all this. I, I, I don't know, okay? I don't know. But it's, I mean, it's, it's not me, right? And it's not my complexion. It is something different altogether. And so, 
we have to understand that, that he is on the throne and he is very much different from everyone and everything else. Um, now, one thing I want to point out here is that this word where it says heaven at once, uh, I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven. The word heaven in the Greek is almost always plural. Okay, and this is important because in Revelation, every time except for once, it is singular. Okay, now the reason being is because when Jewish people refer to the heavens, they've got multiple heavens, not like weird, but like, uh, like outer space was the heaven or the atmosphere was the heaven. But then where God sits on his throne is heaven as well. And here, John is very clear this is one particular place you need to understand. This is where God sits on his throne. And so we have God sitting on his throne in jas- and, and appearing with jasper and ruby. And then it says, uh, yeah, verse 4, it says, Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. Okay? Now, we've got... They're drawing them kind of sitting next to each other, but it is surrounding. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to get kind of a drone view, a bird's eye view, if you will, okay? And you're going to look down on the throne. So God is in the middle. God is the center. And then we've got these 24 guys surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. Now, Again, we don't know who these guys are, okay? Um, maybe it's the 12, 12 tribes with the 12 disciples. Maybe it's like 24 Billy Graham type guys that were, you know, super followers of Christ. We, we don't know. We're not going to, to, to try to guess. We know that they are here. They could just be heavenly guys that have been there the whole time. Um, and they're dressed in white, which stands for purity, and they have crowns of gold on their head. We'll look at that here in a minute. Um, and so what we do know also, and we're going to look at this here in a minute, their primary goal is worship. Their primary goal is worship. Every Sunday, um, we have more people worshiping than any other day of the week. I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about at noon, right? Or at 3.30, or at, uh, what's the Sunday night game? What time is that? 7.30? There are more people who worship on Sunday than any other time. Now, you say, worship, nobody worships football. But worship in the general sense is what we give homage to. It's what we give our time to. It's what we give our money to. Right? Um, and, and please understand me, nobody's a bad person because we watch the Saints. Nobody's a bad person because we go to a game, okay? But I, we do need to understand how worship fits and works in our lives. Uh, because when we go to a Saints game, I mean, what's the minimum ticket? 75 bucks? Did it go up? It's like 75 bucks to sit up in the, in the top seats, right? And then you're going to pay double that for food. Right, Eli, uh, he will he will eat his way through any sporting event you give him, right? And so you have to pace him. You have to say, all right, 
Second quarter, we'll get you a hot dog, right? Third quarter, you got to tough it out, buddy. I'm sorry. Fourth quarter, right before we leave, we'll get you a pretzel or something, right? Otherwise, it's like first, and then the second part of first, and I mean, he's just, he just rolls through, um, and then he gets home, and he's still hungry, right? It doesn't make sense. Um, but we look, at, we look at the Saints or any football team, and you've got the large worship gathering, right? At the Dome, right? Uh, or in Atlanta at their Mercedes-Benz Dome. Why did, why did they do that? What, what were they thinking, Mercedes-Benz? I mean, they're, they're rivals. Um, but, but you've also got small groups going on too, right? You've got people over at your house, right? You've got people in restaurants and in sports bars, right? Buffalo Wild Wings, everybody's watching the Saints, right? This is, this is a form of worship. And no, we're not bowing down. Nobody's worshiping Drew Brees. Although, I heard on the radio uh, somebody called him uh, Breezes the other day. And I was like, oh, you know, I was like, that's, that's too close for me, right? Um, we all love the Saints. We all love the Pelicans. Nobody's bowing down to them. But let me ask you this. If you have an opportunity to go to a Saints game, and you know church gets out at 1140-ish, what do you do, right? Where do you worship? I'm not pointing anybody out. Nobody, nobody, I'm not jumping on anybody. But we need to look at this, and it's tough, isn't it? And it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Um, you know, maybe it's because church is, is not as entertaining as a Saints game. I understand that. Um, but we're not here to entertain you. I'm not here to, to, I'm not, you know, I'm not here to do that. I'm here to help you grow in Christ and, and to challenge you to grow deeper. And so the desire has to be within you. We have to, we want to teach creatively. I mean, this is what we're trying to do here. Those are, that's good fire right there. Good job, guys. Um, but there's, could be, it could be other reasons. It could be that God's just not high on your priority list could be that um, maybe you haven't experienced Jesus in a way that's just attractive and draws you to him, okay? But there's a remedy for all three of these things, and it's worship. It's worshiping the true living God and making him the center of everything you do. God reigns supreme, and he is the only one that we should worship. The only adequate response we need to give him is worship. Worshiping Jesus correctly sets your thoughts and your speech and your priorities and your actions. When we worship Christ, when we worship the living God, it will change you. Now, if you come to church over and over and over again, if you're reading the Bible all the time and you're not being changed, there's something wrong there. There's sin in your life or something's going on. I don't know what's going on with you in, in particular. I can tell you what's going on with me all the time, and I often do. I apologize for that. Nobody wants to hear that, right? But we confess our sins one to another. Worship will change you when you spend time with Christ. Now, let's look at verse 5. I'm going to start rolling through this. And this is, I love this. This is awesome. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. 
Now, have you, have, has anybody ever been almost struck by lightning or, you know, just been real close to a lightning strike? It's terrifying, isn't it? It's, it's awful. I've, I, I've almost been struck twice. Um, one time when I was a teenager, my dad and I were working in the backyard, and we were uh, doing a bunch of landscaping. He had gathered a bunch of tools up, and I had the metal rake and the metal shovel. And I was starting to walk up, and then lightning hit right next to, in our neighbor's yard. And you, you know how that goes when it hits that close. You're just like, and you, you know, you pucker up and it's just like, oh, my goodness. And my dad comes running out of the garage now. He didn't know if I'd been struck and it was still going through me. I was just, you know, like this. It's terrifying. I was working on Caroline's car, uh, what was that, two, three months ago, something like that. And um, it started raining a little bit and then lightning struck. And y'all know, for, y'all, for those of y'all that know Caroline, she's a block down and a block down, a block over and a block down. And it actually hit closer to my house than it did to me. But it scared the living daylights out of me. And it killed this ginormous oak tree. This is what we have with God. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Y'all got that? Oh, look at the lightning. That's beautiful lightning. Good job. I mean, y'all know how I love a, a good thunderstorm, right? It's just like, right? It's just rumbling all throughout, right? That's what thunder, that's what, that's what thunder sounds like. Yeah, like, like Cookie Monster. Um, and, and, and this is what's coming out of the throne, right? So you got like flashes of lightning, right? You know how bright that is. And then thunder is just rumbling everything and these guys are sitting on thrones right (laughs) he's got 24 guys are just chilling there waiting for for what comes next it says um before the throne seven lamps were blazing these are the seven spirits of god um and this is we're going to find out kind of see later this is the holy spirit manifested in himself uh, manifesting himself Uh, also before the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass Clear as crystal, okay? So this is an overhead view. We've got God in the middle on the throne. We've got 24 elders around him. You've got to leave a little space. We're going to put some weird people in between them. And then you've got a sea of glass. You go to Destin, you go to Gulf Shores or something like that. You look out in the ocean, it just goes forever. And this is what they're trying to say. There is a sea and it is just as smooth and clear as glass, right? Maybe like Mexican waters, right? Something like that. But just, and, and the point, and we're going to see this as we walk through Revelation, the point that uh, we're, he's making with this, that God is making, is that his holiness and his transcendence separates him from the rest of creation. Now, he is not separated. He is wholly involved. But his holiness and transcendence is above us. Now, here's the thing that we get from this. This is so far removed from my living room, right? God's not on the throne, lightning and thunder going on physically in my living room. And so it's easy to go, yeah, well, if, if God did this in my house, I would be bowing down and worshiping him. I'd be, I'd be, on my, I'd be terrified. I'd be on my knees. Right? But when we, when we think like that, what does that mean? It means that if he's not over the top, 
in my life, if he's not like right in my face all the time, then I'm not going to let him reign in my life. And you don't want God in your face all the time because it's not going to be always good, right? Um, I want to give you the flip side of this thinking. Uh, I was in Walmart uh, Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday. And uh, I'm doing the self-checkout. Anybody else do the self-checkout? I love the self-checkout. I can go faster than those. I, I should work at Walmart. And I'm right. I might go work at Walmart one day. But, man, I can just I can fly through that stuff. And uh, I'm sitting there, and uh, there's a, a young girl who comes up. She's got two babies, uh, two boys. And one looks like he's one and a half, two years old. And he's crying, right? Uh, actually, probably Titus, yeah, about actually this age right here. Uh, Titus and, and Hope's age. And uh, so, t- so uh, the two-year-old's in the cart. He's crying, and she's got the baby on her chest, and the baby's starting to whine, and she's just so calm. She's like, I know. She's talking to one two-year-old. I know. I'm going to. I'm going. And she's trying to go, and she had a lot of stuff, right? And, um, and she's just so patient. She does it four or five times. And at one point with the two-year-old, he starts kind of ratcheting it up a little bit, not screaming, but just you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, man, you got more patience than me, girl. I, I would be going, be like, be quiet, you know. And, uh, and I'm sitting here just thinking, man, you are doing such a good job with this. And I hear God go, you need to tell her that. And she's right next to me at the register next to me. So I, I just kind of reach over and, and I'm like, hey, I just want you to know you are doing a fantastic job with these two and I know it's hard when they're both crying but you're doing a great job and she turned and looked at me and that first reaction when I touched her shoulder was like I thought she was gonna be like get away from me you know but she turned and looked at me she goes oh thank you so much thank you and and the babies are still crying and then I'm starting to walk off and she's still like thank you thank you and I'm like oh you're welcome okay you know it, but but it, it turned, because you could see on her face, she was starting to get stressed out. And then, I mean, it was four, four words. You're doing a great job. That's five words. Yeah, five words. You're doing a great job. And uh, it turned her day around. And I, I had nothing to do with it. It was, I mean, because I was fully intent on grabbing my receipt and walking straight out. And I noticed, I was like, man, she's doing a good job. Tell her that, Jason. If I'm not allowing Jesus to reign over my life, especially in the little decisions, then that never happens, and God doesn't receive glory for that. God, I don't hear from God. She doesn't get encouraged, right? Verse 6, the second part of verse 6, it says, In the center around the throne, and and we need to understand this, uh, God is the center of our life of our story here he is the center of our he should be the center of our lives in the center around the throne were four living creatures right so we got our four living creatures um and and they are freaky little little things here and they're covered with eyes in the front and the back y'all put eyes all over them because they're, they're covered with eyes um they're covered with eyes in the front and the back the first living creature was like a lion the second was like an ox the third had a face like a man the fourth was a flying was like a flying eagle, which aren't all eagles flying? I, I, okay, um, but you want to make it clear, right? 
And so each of the four living creatures had six wings, and as if that's not weird enough, was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings, right? So like their armpits have eyes, right? And, and uh, yeah, somebody came up to me, uh, one of the older guys in the other church, he goes, how do they put on deodorant, you know? And I'm like, it's going to sting, you know? Um, so, but, but it's, it's very clear, these guys can see everything all around them. So they get to see God in all his glory, in the lightning and the thunder. They get to see these 24 elders who are about to, to worship them. They get to see them do this. Um, and, and it's also uh, something we need to understand because God created these guys. And he sees all as well. He sees what we do. He sees uh, our good, our bad. He's not Santa Claus, okay? We need to make that clear. Um, he is sovereign, and he knows all. And so these are the four beings. They're in between, actually. They're supposed to be in between these guys, and the 24 elders are surrounding the throne. Um, and so they have a very unique um, role to play. They, they, we're going to see later, they execute judgment, but they lead in worship. So, like, these are the, these are the kind of like the, the Tiffany's, right, if you will, only... I'm just, me- I'm just messing with you. So notice what it says here. It says, uh, each of the four living creatures is six wings, right, right, right. And then day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Now, we, we sing this, right? Who was and is and we did sing it and is to come. This is a reference to the creator, it is a reference that's the who was. It is the who is is Jesus. Jesus is because he is alive. He died for our sins. He died in the grave. He beat the grave, but he is alive today. He is our living sacrifice. He is, and then he is also the one to come. Uh, he is the second coming judge. And then in verse 9, we see, Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne... And who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders, so they're around. They fall down before him who sits on the throne. And worship him who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne. And they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being." So these creatures lead in worship, right? And, and you've got the, the eagle and the man and the lion and the, uh, the, the bear. What is that? A bear with horns? No, that's not what it was. It was the bull. Ox, ox, that's right. Yeah. Um, and so these guys say, say, let's worship, right? And they sing, holy, holy, holy. And then everybody lays down their crown. Now, these crowns are... A symbol of the, the, guy, the elders' delegated authority. God has given them authority. And they take them and they lay them down. How often do we do that? How often do we take what God has given us and give it right back? Say, God, it's yours. You tell me what to do with it. 
God, this is your money. You tell me what to do with it. God, this is your job. You tell me what to do with it. God, this is your child. You tell me what to do with them. God reigns supreme, and the only adequate response is to worship him. So remember back in uh, chapter 3, 2 and 3, John was told to write a bunch of letters to, to seven different churches. The reason he was told to write these letters was because they were being persecuted. They were being killed, they were being tortured, they were being put in jail, they were being uh, ridiculed, people would not sell them food, people would not uh, barter with them, they were starving, they were hurting. Some were doing, some churches were doing well, some churches were doing poorly in response and they were falling away from Christ. But they all had one thing in common, they were being hurt. And so what would possibly encourage a discouraged church more than seeing God on his throne, God in control, and God reigning supreme? And I know, I know we've got a bunch of storms in our lives right now, individually. But there is nothing that is going on in your life that has taken God off the throne. He is still just as powerful as he always has been and always will be. And he can work incredibly in your life. And so as a follower of Christ, and I want to emphasize this, as a follower of Christ, Jesus is going to be the center of your life when you get to heaven. Right? I don't know where our, where our position will be. I don't know where we'll be standing. I don't feel confident for myself that I will be in front of any elders, okay? But this is going to be the scene, and he is going to be the center of our lives. So we need to get to a point to where this should be our life now. It should not be foreign to us to worship and obey Jesus all day long. We don't need to be people who are like, yeah, I did my Jesus thing today. Ah, oh, I did a good deed. No, no, no. Everything we do flows through the filter and the grid of the Holy Spirit. This should be our life now. So I want to close with this. Does he reign and rule supreme in your life down to the everyday decisions that you make? Is he the center of your life? God reigns supreme. And the only adequate response is to worship him. And as you do, it's going to change you from the inside out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this scene from Revelation, how you spoke to John. And we pray now that you will work it out in our own lives. We ask that you will remind us um, hourly where you are at, how you are working how you sit and reign supreme and how you love us and care for us so much that you you died for us you sent your son for us father we ask that each decision we make this week would be from you and we pray that you give us wisdom and direction as we move forward in our lives we pray that you will reign supreme in our families our church and that we will worship you, not just here, not just through song, not just through your word, but in the car, 
with our children, with our spouses. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.